What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recap. Hello, everybody. Mike Bloom here. Yes, Fargo indeed is over. Made a jump one year in the future where things ended in 2020. But no matter what year, the show wrapped up in the fact of the matter is the show has wrapped up. We are officially done with Fargo Season 5. We saw the, uh, the culmination of the shootout on the Tillman Ranch with some surprises along the way. Not everyone made it out, but mostly everyone made it out in one piece. Rest in peace, of course, Wit Far. And, of course, we take a jump into the future, as we like to do sometimes on Fargo, to see just where everybody is and get apparently a really good recipe for drop biscuits. And we have, hopefully, a great recipe for a podcast as well. Let me bring in some ingredients here first. We always need a dollop in these podcasts of Grace Leader. Grace, how are you? I'm doing well. It's over. It's over. But yeah, we'll make some biscuits and we'll all be fine. 
it's over and wits over as well. But someone who is bringing her wits to the podcast is, you know, uh, they say you might want to add like a dash of cardamom to the recipe. But for me, give me a big old spoonful of Latanya Starks to truly make this recipe come alive. Yes, Latanya Starks, the human drop biscuit. Um, <laughs> I, I'm really excited to to talk about this episode. It's this is the uh, the least anticipated way that I thought this finale was going to go. So I'm just really excited to get into it with you all and to talk more about biscuits. Obviously, quick question: Are you all biscuits people with your chili? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But I am. I guess I'm I'm truly like a lost lion kid, not only because, again, my mom said I look like Wayne, but also because like mm-hmm. drop biscuits is our quite literal bread and butter here in the Bloom household. Uh, nice. So now I have to take that buttermilk tidbit, though. I'm not sure if Noah Hawley consulted with anybody about that that biscuit recipe. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a biscuit person with my chili. But I, I feel like Canada doesn't really do... I mean, I'm obviously only speaking for anecdotal experience. So when I say <laughs> Canadians, I mean me and my family, actually, in particular, don't really do biscuits that much. So, yeah, I feel like we do garlic bread with our chili is what my mm. Garlic bread, interesting. Yeah. What about you, okay. LT? Um, we are uh, uh, partial to crackers. Um, mm. And we get uh, salty. Which is why you podcast with Grace and I. <laughs> Thanks for being so partial to us crackers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's all, folks. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Uh, but yeah, we we go the um, either the Ritz route or the saltine route, and sometimes I'll make toast when I make chili. So interesting. Yeah. Well, no, no matter what the side piece is, we have quite the dish to dig into in this finale. Now, obviously. A lot of anticipation coming into LT's point. A lot of zags, especially in the latter half of this episode. I will say, it's a for me, it's a bit of a tale of two stories in this episode. Uh, because I'll admit, and maybe my opinion will change as the talk comes along here, mm-hmm. the first half left me pretty dang underwhelmed. Uh, and maybe it was by the course of, I think in retrospect, these two episodes really should have been aired together because we got so much buildup over the course of last episode. And then they kind of expended all, but in the way that we didn't expect, but not necessarily in a way that I thought was particularly effective. We'll get into that. But once we make the time jump, then I think the the show absolutely leapfrogs. Uh, I think getting to find out the fate of a lot of our characters. I know that I certainly, for as much as we talked about last week, that Dot killing Roy would be like the most fitting way to end this story. I was definitely brought more on board about, okay, Roy needs to stay alive to a point that Lorraine makes as that scene played out. And then it culminates in this absolute powerhouse of a final act where to your point, LT, who would have thought mid-season that Fargo season five and perhaps Fargo the series might close on Dot and Ole Munch making biscuits together. I believe he, he gives a a, a a correct pronunciation for his name, which yes. is Ula Monk. <laughs> He's Ula not Ola yeah. Munch. He's Ula Munch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is wild. It's so funny. That's very funny. <laughs> and and I wish that we'd known that before. Because no, imagine the fun there. that we could have had by saying Ula Munch the entire but podcast. I love it so much though, because like Again, we perceived everything through this hyper-Americana POV of the Tillmans. And so, of course, they would come through and be like, 
Oh, Munch, is that your name? <laughs> sort of Starbucks barista style. Yeah, uh, just yeah. kind of read it through their own lens as opposed to like, no, he's European. His name is Ula Munch. And also, we talked about the the Munch pun about the fact that he's a sin eater, but no, yeah. he's more so a monk he's in a terms monk. of how devout he is. Yeah. Now, I, what what do you think, Grace? Well, I, I'm with you. I, you know, there, I was surprised when Dot shoots Roy and I'm like, oh, okay. And then obviously everything happens where she doesn't actually kill him. And I, and then I was like, oh, we are leading to the thing that I had predicted, which is that Gator kills Roy. Ron, he doesn't kill him. He puts him in jail. I, I will say I can see how it's anticlimactic and I was feeling it a bit. I was like, oh, that's, that's it. Like, so interesting. But I do think the way, and it, I I will say perhaps it feels like they wanted the pieces in place at the end. And so the surprises are that they, and I feel like this season is full of this, where it feels like we on the episode and we're heading into something and then we don't quite get what we thought we were getting. And I can see that it's like, you've done that so much that now at the end actually give us exactly what we want. I, I the last scene to me is so worth it to put all these things in place and also the mm -hmm. Lorraine Roy scene as well. So to put all of those to to move the pieces around the board in a way that maybe feels unsatisfying, this last scene and I think you could probably get there. You know, you could do all these things. I think we want it cathartically. We want it to feel, which is basically Roy dying probably, um, and you can still get this last scene and it can still be that thing. But it's so beautiful i think the metaphor is so good um i really loved how it tied a lot of the themes together so i'm excited to talk about i talk about it so i'm i'm extremely satisfied with the season it's probably probably my favorite season of fargo so far but early early Ooh, days uh, yeah. yeah we'll definitely have some talk about that towards the end during our own biscuit making session latonya what about you thoughts on the finale um i for for me this uh finale or this season of television kind of harkened back to the golden age of television and specifically the sopranos where uh and you know game of thrones did this too uh you know uh, famously as well where the the penultimate episode is where you get like the majority of the action and then the final episode is kind of almost like an epilogue to get you familiar with where the characters are now down the road. Like I said, I totally wasn't expecting any of the things that happened necessarily. Like I thought that Roy was going to die. Um, I, I thought Dot was going to kill him. Um, I hadn't really given much thought to many of the other characters in terms of like, you know, who our death draft, because the death draft is kind of hilarious and that I don't, did, did anyone have wit far? No, I won the death draft because uh, Danish Graves. And I also wanted to yeah. point out- One to zero to zero. <laughs> yeah. Can I just say also, it's very funny to think that the person who had the most, I feel like we need to, to clock this if we ever, if we talk about Fargo season six and, and go back. Do the silliest name people's die because the whole point is that they don't change the name of the people who died. And so Danish ah. Graves being the one, <laughs> like also intestine guy, Karen's father-in-law and there's somebody else I'm forget. Oh, yeah, wait, obviously, but nobody's father-in-law Odin. Yeah. So, but Danish Graves being one of the only people to die. And then it'd be like, we don't change out of respect for the dead. Everything else remains the same is, is pretty funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like well. we're going to change it to the silliest way possible to not glorify their death. Just make it a bit of a joke. Uh, yeah. So let's get into this episode because again, there's a lot to end Fargo season five with let's break out that best quick and whip up our final quick plot recap of the season. Some say time is a circle. Others say 
It's a line, but no matter what the shape, time has brought us to the Tillman Ranch for the climactic results of the mounting firefight. Despite being abandoned by his father, Gator makes his way through the dugout and outside of the ranch. Meanwhile, Odin complains to Roy about not keeping his men and women in line. Pushed to his breaking point, Roy slashes the throat of his father-in-law, as witnessed by Karen. He follows her around the corner, only for Dot to blast him in the stomach with a shotgun. It seems like all is going just as we predicted, until the feds roll in. Crossfire finally breaks out as Roy escapes into the dugout. Wit pursues on Dot's behalf, finding Roy hiding for him, though he expected it to be Dot. After a tense standoff, Roy gets the jump on our favorite trooper, leaving him with six sisters, one cat, and no life. But, just as Roy thinks he's climbed his way to freedom, he's immediately taken in by the feds. Turns out, Gator turned him in, and both men are going to prison. Before leaving Tillman Ranch in her previous life forever, Dot embraces her stepbrother-slash-stepson, promising to bring him cookies in jail. Dot finally returns home, and her smile turns even greater when she reunites with Wayne, Scotty, and, surprisingly, Lorraine, who commends her for her efforts and gets a hug in return. We then jump to one year later... Dot and Scotty leave flowers at Wit's grave with Indira, who is still working at Lorraine's security detail. She accompanies Lorraine to visit Roy in prison. Trading in his cowboy hat for an orange jumpsuit, Roy complains about the rigged trial against him while simultaneously gloating about how prison is how the, the world should be. The good news for Roy is he gets to live in that apparent Shangri-La for a long time. That's because Lorraine has forgiven the debts of nearly all the prisoners. In exchange, Roy will spend the rest of his life receiving the treatment that he has doled out for so many years. Abuse. Emotional, physical, mental, and sexual. Roy Tillman, the former high and mighty sheriff, has now become a prison bitch. It seems like everything is wrapped up just in time for Chilly Night at the Lions, but there's still one loose end. As Dot and Scotty come home to find Wayne sitting with Old Munch, or shall we say Ula Munch, Munch says that despite helping her a year ago, her debt has not been paid for what happened to him in the first episode. But once again, the man has stepped into the tiger's lair and he is about to be thrown for a loop. The Lion family constantly derails his monologues and thematics as Dot teaches him how to make drop biscuits for that night's dinner. At the table, Munch comes clean about his past, confirming, or maybe not, that he is a sin eater who has been made immortal cursed to live through and take on the sins of the rich. Dot replies to his epic story with the true loaded weapon in her holster, Minnesota Nice. It feels like that, I know, she says. What they do to us, make us swallow, like it's our fault. But you want to know the cure? You gotta eat something made with love and joy, and be forgiven. She extends a biscuit, and Munch trepidatiously takes a bite. In an instant, his eyes soften, and he smiles as if thousands of years of sin were suddenly lifted with a baked good. Uh, Grace, is this the Fargo season with the most product placement behind it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't know. Yeah, the, the UFO is product placement, I think, right? Wasn't that? that was, no. uh, yeah, it might be intergalactic advertisement, yeah. but considering yeah. that we also got a Wayne trying to sell old Munch a Kia. Yeah. It's like, it's like driving a cloud. <laughs> Wayne, Wayne, this whole time, Wayne and Scotty, so cute. The whole time is like this very intense show that was happening. He's like, Yeah, we went fishing. This guy's like, I got a call. He's like, That's right. You did. Pretty funny. <laughs> They're just like, <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. Um, 
this last stretch is unbelievable to me. It's so, so good. And the piece about your the debts that you owe and that, that Munch thinks a debt still needs to be repaid and all the ways in which Dot keeps diffusing the situation um, to, you know, sit and have chili and biscuits and that the best thing you can do is to, isn't the best thing to forgive that debt and to welcome someone in with, with, with love uh, and, and, you know, something made with love and joy and to forgive is so good. It's so powerful. I said last week that the re and, and this is why I think, not killing Roy works, not just from Lorraine being able to utilize her ability as like a debt collector and debt relief to basically make his life hell. But I said last week, like the thing I thought would happen was that Dot wouldn't be able to kill Roy, but somebody who sort of was drawn into Dot's worldview would kill Roy. And Gator does give him up and also goes to jail as a result. So it's not a death that happens. But then we get this moment that I just didn't see. We were like, I think that's it for Munch. And yet we get this whole message of, of you get to see why Dot's worldview is so powerful and why why it's the one, it's the world we want to live in rather than the the Roy Tillman um, view of life. And it's it's so good. It's so powerful. And it's so weird. The way that he is being so weird at the, ta <laughs> the table is so, it's it's just an absolute delight. I absolutely loved it. This is maybe my favorite thing that's happened on the show. Uh, wow. Yeah. High praise. LT, are you up there with Grace? I, I'm not sure if it's one of my favorite things to happen on the show, or maybe it is, because it depends on how long my list is. <laughs> uh, but, but I really, really did enjoy this. And it's so symbolic to go from um, having someone who is a, like a 500-year-old sin eater who's never really been nourished in his life, to hear Dot said, you need to eat something made with love, to me, this almost felt like a communion moment. Yeah. Where I mean, uh, the orange is the orange soda, the wine <laughs> or the beer. Yeah. The I, beer, I guess yeah. beer by definition is not wine, but, um, <laughs> but there, there are just some like really funny parts that happen. Like before the beer, when um, uh, Wayne handed uh, Ula Munch the, um, the pop. And he just looks at it like, what am I supposed he to do? He holds with this? it so weirdly. <laughs> I, uh, uh, <laughs> Sam Sproul's hand acting yeah. is yes. incredible in yeah. this sequence of scenes. Between that, between like when he's telling the story and he's like forcing his palm across the table awkwardly, I I am actually inclined to agree with you, Grace. It's definitely like I think maybe in my top five favorite scenes of Fargo, just because there's so much tension. But it's such a great balance of comedy. Wayne is the most incredible character on the show. And shows in that scene where, where Ula Munk is like uh, telling the story <laughs> of, I made my way to America and I walked with the Native Americans. I let my hair grow long. And then the white man took over and I didn't talk for a year. And Wade's like, oh, geez, well, I, I have problems <laughs> not talking for an hour. Uh, like the fact that he doesn't respond with just like abject horror all this and just yes and basically everything while also interrupting the story with the random facts is absolute peak Wayne content and I brought this up in the quick plot recap but I love that this show is bookended by the concept of Minnesota nice remember that's the first thing we mm. see in this season a definition on screen an aggressively pleasant demeanor often forced in which a person is chipper and self-effacing 
no matter how bad things get. And I feel like that last phrase applies so much to the way Dot sees things. And the one thing to defeat, Ulamunk, the apparent thousands-year-old man who can survive anything and has had such like a sardonic way of looking at the world, all he needed was a dose of just that that never-ending optimism that no matter how bad things get, it can be met with this aggressively pleasant demeanor. What I'm curious about, because I haven't really canvassed a lot of other people, is like, is this too schmaltzy of an ending? Now, it's interesting, because like, Fargo has had wholesome endings. I think this is actually the biggest one since season one, which really yeah. was a like, bow on it, happily ever after type of thing. But I think people view Fargo as just a very nihilistic thing, considering it's based on the movies of the Coen brothers, which tend to be a bit more nihilistic. I could certainly imagine, especially if people feel like the message is Noah Hawley being like, hey, why can't we be friends? Kill him with kindness. I think looking at today's political landscape, that's much easier said than done. I don't personally believe that, but LT, do you have any sort of thoughts about that idea? Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I don't think it's too cutesy at all because of how poignant it is. Like, to me, for the entirety of the season, 
Ulamunk has seemed like almost like a, and I don't, it's almost like a dog that is, that doesn't have a home and um, has been abused and gone through so much trauma. And then they're welcomed into a family in a family setting. They have no idea how to act. And, but it just is so fantastic that it feeds the soul. And they can turn over a completely different leaf just because they're introduced to a world and people that are legitimately kind, will listen to your story um, and and care about you and like nurture you and nourish you. And I really, really enjoyed this ending. Um, we Like we talked about before, we thought that him kind of walking off into the mist might be the last time we saw him. But to go from it being so ominous with him just showing up at the house and being out of frame when we first see Dot and Scotty come in and then, you know, the, the look that happens on Dot's face, everything, this is not a very long scene in the grand scheme of things, but everything about it is so well-written. It's so captivating that I don't think it's too schmaltzy at all. I, I legitimately think that this is the type of message that we need right now out there in the world and that it pays to be kind to people. The reason I think it works for me, Mike, and that it's not too schmaltzy is because she shot Roy earlier. She yeah. the and also Munch is in her living room and he's like, she's like, sorry you took the risk. You lost an ear. You know, you lost you know, you lost you lost a partner, you lost all the stuff. Like, this is not, I think, Dot's entire worldview is that just be nice and your life will be fine. I think that when push comes to shove, she's a tiger and she'll fight for what mm. she needs to. But also there are people in which you should keep trying to be kind. You should keep trying to do that to people, especially people who are victims. Um, mm. That Gator is somebody who I think she sees, and we can argue not whether he's, you know, how much he's complicit, but he's, you know, he'll go to jail for what he did, for what he did. But also, and I think it's, it's very also continued to be thematic and you don't really notice until later, but what, what is she going to give him? oatmeal cookies she's gonna feed him she's gonna feed him with food and love yes. and forgiveness that's what she's gonna that's what she's gonna do so um it's gator it's um and then i think it's munch who she's like it, in some ways he's saying like i ate all their sins she's like yeah but maybe you just need um some some you need something else to nourish you so but that was not what she was going to provide roy tillman who no. who hurts right. people right and so i think that the episode the the show does do this bounce where it is a pretty like cutesy ending but also i i don't i think that there's so much in here to show that like that's not the only way dot views the world but when it comes to to certain people that certain people deserve um to be at least offered forgiveness and and love so i love it i love the ending that and i totally agree and that's the concept that's really it's all about forgiveness and let me bring in a quote actually from noah hawley who did an interview at would you look at this? The Hollywood Reporter oh. with Josh Wiggler oh. talking about time being a circle here. Who's so that? I, some <laughs> lovable nobody. Uh, yeah. He's a somebody, definitely. But Josh did sort of ask about the choice to have this particular ending, to have Dot espouse this message and for Munch to accept it, both literally and figuratively. 
Noah Hawley says, I really am struggling the way so many of us are struggling with how we move past what feels like this entrenched enmity between Americans for other Americans, where everyone feels aggrieved, everyone thinks the other one has injured them, and you have this sort of Hatfield and McCoy thing that's going on. How can we ever move forward if constant retribution is the only solution? Or is there something else? In this case, it's an acknowledgement that both people in this have been hurt. And a big part of trauma is blaming yourself for what was done to you. There's a process you go through, and the only way to really forgive yourself is to be forgiven. That act of someone else forgiving you, it's liberating. And again, we go back to the ledgers, and we go back to the idea of literal forgiveness in the form of debt. That essentially Munch has been kind of an accountant for thousands of years of, Mm. oh, you do this, so I owe this to you, or you owe this to me. And Dot's coming through to basically say, do you need the checkbook at this point? Does it matter? At the end of the day, you have been experiencing bitterness, just tasting everyone's sins in perpetuity. Your palate needs to be more widened. You need something sweet. You need something a bit more wholesome. And so I think that message really works that yes, on the surface, it might just be can't we all just get along? But I do think this idea of seeking some sort of satisfaction by either getting somebody back or getting something from somebody oftentimes leaves you feeling empty inside. And what truly fills you up is more so a gesture of gratitude from the heart from somebody else. It's pretty classic revenge story stuff of, you know, finding out that trying to you know get revenge was not actually worth it and what 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 it cost you the other piece in that article um with with josh and noah holly is and again i think uh adds to the fact that i don't think this is completely like just a lovey-dovey ending is talks about wit and dot do move through the world in somewhat of a similar fashion in terms of um, wit is a little bit more like playing by the rules uh, that Dot maybe doesn't necessarily always play with, but this idea of of being decent and going and and, tra- and so he's up against Roy, who is not decent, and wit dies. Uh, and that uh, Josh talks about like yeah, on a dip on a uh, on the same day, these two people could uh, put the same like you know positivity into the world, decency into the world, and one of them comes back with like a delicious bowl of chili, and one of them dies. And so the idea that like being nice and choosing forgiveness is actually a risk in our in our society these days that that going the avenue of dot of trying to forgive munch might end up with munch literally just killing you and taking all your money in your house right like that's that's the risk of being nice in this scenario so i think that's a powerful message too yeah yeah and i also think that one of the reasons that i i really like this ending is because it just feels so earned based on everything else that's happened throughout the season, it they manage in this show to do more character development in 20 minutes than most shows do over entire seasons. Mm. And it's just really great to see, you know, to see Munch be in a situation where, you know, he he's with a, a family like he tried he he basically made um that i can't what's what was the name of the old woman that he was staying with i can't remember right now but he basically turned her for better or for worse into his mom right 
it seems like he was looking for that type of love in his life. And he's finally been able to find it. And the other thing that we spoke about on podcasts before is Dot trying to appeal to people's better nature um, as the the first step that she takes in, in you know, basically everything. Uh, but she, she's been dealing with such terrible people that it hasn't worked for her. And she's had to resort to violence in, in many different situations. Whereas I feel like in this situation, it's completely different with Munch because she's able to appeal to his better nature. And he is so unfamiliar with that sensation that it just catches him off guard and he leans into it. Yeah. I think that there is also a power dynamic in play as well that like shine off that Minnesota nice veneer and Fargo at its core is still about the power we hold over others. And Noah Hawley talked about this in his interview with Josh. He compares it to one of the scenes from no country for old men, which is like Mm -hmm. slightly similar, right? Where uh, the wife of one of the characters comes home to find Anton Chigor sitting there. Uh, He tries to flip the coin. She says like, Oh, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. And then he ends up killing her off screen bit of a similar situation here but what noah hawley says was uh when the time came to write the scene i thought there was certainly a thriller version of the scene one last fight or chase or whatever you want to call it then i just thought well what if she refuses to be in that scene what if that's his scene and she's like well i'm not gonna be in your scene i'm gonna be make you be in my scene and my scene is a school night where we're halfway to dinner so either do what you were going to do or wash your hands and help and Yeah, to a point earlier that you made, Grace, this isn't, like, turn-the-other-cheek style from Dot. She still has that, like, insistence to her of, like, yeah, you came to my house, you're gonna play by my rules, and that's also Minnesota nice, is that idea that you are almost, like, overweeningly positive to the point that you are insisting upon others, and it's also a reminder that Yes, I think Dot has been able to move on with her life in so many ways. I mean, the fact that she's appearing in national commercials for her business alongside Wayne means she doesn't need to worry about her identity being outed at all. But at the same time, there's always a little bit of tiger inside of her. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, I thought I think that for as much as um, it's a really, really good ending for a bunch of characters, I think basically the lion family um all pretty much get a decent ending and then and then and then bunch um we could talk about just like turns to dust after he eats the biscuit <laughs> like he's finally hey, he's able to age and he, he quickly yeah. ages 500 years probably <laughs> that's what yeah. we always thought would happen to richard alpert at the end of loss when he flies off the island yeah. yeah that's right um i think it's fair to say that i think a lot of the other endings for maybe some characters are pretty underwhelming um the person who gives us the exposition that uh, dot is in all these commercials is indira who her she's sorry basically not in the finale she yeah. goes she gives yeah. an exposition about dot and wit and then is in the thing and gets actually told to leave the room um i I do you one better, Grace. Uh, she hasn't really been in anything since she went to Lorraine in the first place. It's kind of this odd story of like she gained some power by quitting the police force and leaving Lars behind and joining up with Lorraine, but ironically enough, that instantly shrunk her screen time. Yeah, this mm. is yeah, pretty, pretty tough, I thought, for an ending for Indira in terms of somebody you know, early on I was like, well, maybe they don't really want to do police stuff and they're really gonna indict the police via like Roy as a sheriff, and there's you know, this like 
you know, modern mega movement and that's where they want to go. And there was the black lives matter movement, even though this is set before that, and maybe they just want to like tiptoe away from the police. And then Indira becomes pretty central to like, you know, this is who dot goes to and she's in the case. And then it's just like, and then she hangs around and she's has a job. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. I guess fine. I don't know. It's pretty rough. Yeah. Um, and Dara's character and Wit's character, I feel like, really got the short end of the stick mm-hmm. uh, when it came to the, the conclusion to their stories. I mean, it is great to see Indira in civilian clothes because she looks wonderful and I hated her uniform. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, I... <laughs> For for Wit to have been killed the way that he was really, really hit me. And mm. I I wasn't ex- I don't know what I was expecting, but I I didn't think that there would be a showdown between the two of them like that. And I was hoping that John Ham uh John Ham's character wouldn't, you know, he would maybe just move him out of the way and like run through the tunnel. It, it really did feel like Roy felt that he had to go on a killing spree at this point. Yeah, he was a cornered animal. I think that started when he finally, like, slit the throat of Odin, which is, like, an interesting, I think, a mini-statement for him. Obviously, Odin is not his father, but I think maybe represents that sort of, like, generational toxic masculinity that got passed down to him, and he passed it down to Gator, where Odin's, like, the devil on his shoulder being like, you're not a man, you didn't keep your women in line, now it's all falling apart, and we see a Roy unhinged where he kills him, and then I think just purely crazed feels like he has to kill Wit just to keep going. Mm. That and, you know, we get a glimpse into his feelings about, like, Black people. You know, it, it, one of the most terrible lines that he said in the show, and he said a lot of terrible things, was when Roy's at the prison meeting with Lorraine mm. and is saying, essentially, prison is what life should be. Um, you know, races are separated, the the like master race is on top, et cetera, et cetera. And during that scene with Wit, he kept calling him boy to the point where Wit was like, or son, to the point where Wit, you know, they're interchangeable really, was like, I'm not your son, stop calling me that. But it's just, it, it's terrible that Wit's kind heart is what ultimately led to his downfall. But I think I was saying this before is I think that that is part of the message. This is what Josh had asked uh, uh, know about is that to that you can have, you know, the idea that multiple characters who exhibit goodness or decency or or whatever, that he's going in to try and stop Roy to stop him from being able to do all the stuff that he's done to dot and to anybody else that he's doing it. And a result, he dies. Um, you know, I think that that's again, that's where I think like to just say it's a it's a happy ending. Um, it's not, it's not, it's not fully a happy, the last scene certainly is like very optimistic about like what can come from just being nice. But also you you might get stabbed in a tunnel in a mine tunnel. That's the thing is that I think that's more so the nihilism that I was talking about before that we usually associate with the show of like with Fargo, the good guys, sometimes they die, the bad guys, sometimes they live. And while I think this is maybe the version of the show, the most that is like, Hey, the bad guys are all either dead or in bad places and the good guys are all thriving. This is the sole exception. And Noah Hawley talks about this a little bit that essentially it's like the guy who follows the rules versus the guy who fought dirty. And so here's Wit trying to like engage with everything to make sure that he's 
trying to subdue Roy to the best of his own code. A man has a code, if you don't know, that right. he is working towards. But Roy, at this point, as he has expressed many times, does not live by the same code. And it's like, as soon as, you know, Roy doesn't put down that knife the first time that Wit asks, like, he has him, basically. Th yeah. There's also this moment, when, so one year later, I'm at the gravestone, and, you know, it's he's like, yeah, he had six sisters. His thing says beloved brother. I think that that's and so they respond. Dot responds like, oh, no wonder he was so nice, mm -hmm. um, which I think is both like a theme of the season is like, you know, it's been a, it's been a feminist season of like the thing that might have made Wit a better man is having all of these women. Is it? And it's also <laughs> kind of funny in the sense of like how many times we've been like people's like, I have a mother, so I am not sexist, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I am the son of a mother. Of a mother. Yeah. yeah. I am the nephew of a woman aunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of funny. But uh, yeah, they, I think it was more trying to be like, you know, fit the theme of the season of like what, what women, having women in your, who you listen to and actually like care for what that could do to. To, mm. to you as a person but yeah i do you think the one cat that he left behind was a reference to new girl of course ferguson being a, a main part of winston's character just a different be. different cat name lucky the cat yeah lucky the, lucky cat. the cat now indira yeah. she's her own sin eater now she's the one to take it on <laughs> well right. it makes sense that we talk about these two in tandem because while we say goodbye to wit let's also say goodbye to gator here and latanya i'm still trying to figure out what i think about gator turning his dad in off screen and like how do you look upon that cold open where he's escaping through the dugout like do you read it as he was always intending to do that was he just trying to get away from it all and then when he stumbled into the feds then he decides to rat his dad out i'm so conflicted about my thoughts on everything that happened with gator in this episode mm. um Part of me thinks that he was just trying to escape and then he heard the FBI or like whatever task force was there and was just like, okay, great, I can get some help. I'm not surprised that he ended up turning on his father, given the way that his father treated him throughout his whole life, but especially in the last episode, you know, to, to look at your son who's just had his eyes gouged out and is begging for his daddy and and essentially say you're no son of mine you're weak and you're the worst um that has to completely change your outlook on on your father and so turning him in seemed like partially something that i thought that gator would do i don't like that it happened off screen though i i would like i i know that there are so many different crimes that roy committed but i would like to hear exactly what it was that he ended up going to prison for can i just can i justify it happening off screen no that's another fx show <laughs> <laughs> can i justify it primeval city or whatever it was called <laughs> the, and, and, so there are these moments that they want in the episode and i'm thinking this from an editing perspective like i'm sure that they filmed a scene of gator going over and being like hey my he's gonna come out this here's where the hole is i don't think it's like him being like and here's all the crimes he did. I think it's just like he's gonna pop out of that hole back there so you can go and get him, right? And and I'll and I'll testify or whatever, you know, and I know I'll go to jail. Mm. You could have that scene, but you the order in which you'd have to show that you would then lose the suspense of Roy coming out of the hole and and then being caught by the police, right? So there'd be no suspense in him 
getting away from the shot from Dot's gunshot wound, right? Mm -hmm. And and because we would, you have to place that some, you know, you could do it very quickly of like him Gator going to the police and then and then immediately like he comes out and it's you know time jump or whatever, but because we then get the scene where Gator and Dot talk and they hug and he and she forgives him and he apologizes and she's gonna bring him cookies, I that to me is like now we get. A Gator redemption moment, which I think you you would also get from the the, the police to a degree, but you also get the you also get the suspense of Roy coming out thinking he's free, like I'm gonna get you, and then all the police are surrounded. You know, they they're they're there. So I think just from an editing perspective, I yeah. I feel like that you would lose a bit of that scene, and then if you're thinking about why include Gator report, it's to basically have a a, a moment of him redemption. But we then get that in the scene with with Dot. So actually, we'll defend the choice to not have and we got to give the fbi at least one cool line to say at the end they've been their characters in the show so they need to say yeah and your son your son put you in so or gave you up or whatever and then there's also the fun irony in that as well right that like the one thing apparently to send roy crumbling down in this moment the one to rat him out when he had the one escape path to freedom was of course the one he kept closest to him and also here's roy the right hand of god ironically enough helping blind people see uh that we talked about this last week gator has seen the most out of anybody there but it seems like only when he had his sight taken from him was he able to see full and clear the power that his dad exacts Mm. yeah yeah so that's my defense of we don't really need the gator scene but what do you all think about gators uh ostensible redemption at the end of the show what I what I like is that it's not full like he is going to go to jail. He's like, "Will you visit me in jail?" So I do right. like that it's like That's, yeah, not... which, well, which is where he'll assumingly be for life because I know that like yeah. considering what Lorraine has set up for Roy, I imagine she's not going to like take an exception to his son for his appeal. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I I think that that's fine in the sense that it's doesn't it, it's it's at least implied that like there are things he's done that are so bad that cannot be resolved with a hug from Dot. You know he needs to also go to jail. He seems to be aware that that is what where he will go. So I I don't I don't mind it. Um. So but I could see that other people maybe don't love it. Yeah. Well, I think it's something that we have been discussing for a while since Noah Holly put out that comment and like episode three being like gator's just kind of like a conflicted kid out there and we're like yeah but he is kind of like an alt-right murdering chauvinist (laughs) as well there's only so much you could kind of climb yourself out of the negatives to try to get to some sort of absolute zero and maybe it's because of like my own biases towards that coming in i agree with grace i don't think it was a full redemption like i was i guess willing myself to believe it wasn't a full redemption because Yeah, I I think that as much as we're talking about that the ending message isn't like, oh, everyone can be forgiven if you're just kind to them. That perhaps feels like that's more in that stereotypical category of like, don't you see? This guy was a victim of abuse, so therefore everything he did shall be forgiven. I mean, is that not what that Noah Hawley, I think, is struggling with? I think this is the, the theme of the show is a lot of like, how much do you... Do we just if we just sit and want if we want Gator to be fully like revenge to the point of him to, like what does that get what do we get out of that and it, it's very complicated I think like the idea of people who are victims who then commit crimes basically is mm-hmm. is a really complicated um, is a really complicated thing that's why I always talk about like coming of age stories are often my favorite because I think it's so 
it, the the line between nature versus nurture what what is what happened to you and what you're responsible for in the world like when do we draw that line of like if he was if he was 17 uh and he's like what what do you become an adult i don't know but say you're you know say it's when you're 18 years old well does anything happen when you're 17 if you do anything bad like what what is the line and we always have to draw we always have to figure out where we're drawing these lines and i think that the show at least does try to say like okay for the things that he is is fully complicit in that even if you are a victim of abuse from your father, that doesn't give you the right to go and do X, Y, and Z. So you go to jail for those things. The things that he did specifically to Dot, she has the power in, in her to, to forgive Dot for or for to give Gator for whatever she wants to forgive him or choose not to um, forgive him as well. And I think the biggest moment in that piece is that he does. He, I believe, he apologizes first before she really like says it right and then gives him the hug. So you know, anyway, I I think it worked. I think it's a fitting ending, but. You know, teach their own. I also think that Joe Keery's acting was so great because yeah. for a character that I have despised the entirety of the uh, the season, he just he was so pitiful yeah. that you couldn't help but feel for him. Yeah, I agree. Blinded Gator, the past two episodes, was like, I'm really glad we unlocked that part of Joe Keery's character. I mean, it is sort of like the duology that is Steve Harrington from Stranger Things, where, like, initially he was kind of this cocky jerk, and then, like, yeah. he actually showed some pathos to him, just built to a, a large extreme. So, and Noah Hawley did confirm in his interview with Josh that, like, yeah, Dot did bring him cookies every year. Like, she truly felt that. Uh, and I think it's also this idea of her understanding what he needed as well, what he lacked for so many years. Again, what he was starved of, which was this love, which was this positive attention paid to him, so much negative reinforcement his entire life that I don't think she's feeling like, oh, I can change him. But I do think she sees that more childlike, innocent side of him come out, even in that moment when he like embraces her, right? And again, there's this weird dynamic where like, they're sort of peers, but at the same time, she is very maternal to him, especially in that moment. But it's also interesting in that, like, when they end up hugging, Dot tells him, it's over. It's over now. And I wonder if that's also a moment for her, like she tried to do with Karen, of like, we were also both victims of this abuser. It is now over again. We can now both be people outside of Roy. We can sh uh, remain free of the sh Tillman shackles that are on our bodies. We have seen Dot be that person before and after. We haven't seen that from Gator. So it remains to be seen like what a Gator looks like after getting arrested. But it's an interesting way to leave the character that, as you mentioned, I think represents a lot of complicated elements and is left purposely so at the end. Yeah, very, very complicated indeed. And um I I really I just enjoyed Joe Carey's performance uh, so much in this in this final installment. So um, and it was also very uh, a very good callback to I think it was episode seven, the puppet episode, where uh, you know Roy is beating on Linda and Gator comes in and gives a hug to uh, to Dot. And that that hug is very much mirrored just under very di different circumstances in this episode. Yeah. So mm -hmm. let's look back on the season in general. And I'll 
piggyback off a question that Grace brought up in the very beginning. I'll let you chew on it a bit more, Grace, like a delicious biscuit. Because <laughs> a lot of people have been saying this is Fargo's best season since the first, including us here. Now that all 10 chapters are against it, Latanya and I are not coming on and doing a versus or anything pound by pound. But are you left feeling that this is the best season of Fargo yet? It's really hard because I feel like I'm falling into recency bias, but for me right now, yes. And I, I have not watched, I have not rewatched season one in a long time. So I would need to go back and rewatch the other seasons to feel like I could really give like an honest answer. But for me, the, the ending theme, this is just something that resonates a lot with me. And I, the idea that you can sort of like, I know you said you, you, Talked about Mike of like, yeah, it's kind of cheesy. The idea of like kill it with kindness, all that, or like you know, you know, just like go through the world with kindness that will solve everything. Like, I would agree that I don't think that's a hundred percent true. I don't think just being nice all the time works. I think you look at uh, a lot of the, the conflicts we have in the world; they're much harder to detangle than just being like, let's be nice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't agree with that. But in terms of what I can do on a day to day basis, I mean, there's lots of other things I do, but how I feel like. Demeanor wise, I navigate through the world. It, 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 I hope that, um, I at least try to be, and I don't always, I don't always, I'm not always able to do it. Sometimes I don't want to eat the biscuit, so I don't eat the biscuit, but I, I think most of this is just a theme that resonates with me so much. And this season was so dark. We talked about yeah. basically yeah. from the episode before the puppet episode, when we start learning what actually happened to Dot and why she's being tracked down, it's really, really sad. And, I talk a lot about that. I love dark uh, things, but but the the pairing that I have on my MDB is tragic sadness and captivating <laughs> beauty. Those are the things, and and you need one without the other. Um, I I only want darkness uh, to know that there's a, a light can shine in the darkness too. You know, it's like I want that thing in my media that I'm okay to live in the stuff that's like really hard and really uncomfortable and tough to sit through. Um, with the hope that there's there's a piece of light in there that can shine through. And for me in this season, it's not just Dot. I actually think like, I don't think Scotty and Wayne exhibit Minnesota nice at all because the important part of Minnesota nice is that it's forced. And mm-hmm. you cannot tell me that any of the stuff that Wayne is doing is forced. It's so inherently sweet. And that's who that's who Dot has like attracted. That's who when she he's he's reading the bedtime story to Scotty about like she's gonna go out and fight the darkness. Like that's what she's able to do and find these people to like love and protect. So I just love this season and I think it sticks with me more than anything else so far. But of course I could go back and rewatch. But for right now, I will put it absolutely as my number one favorite part of the season. Yeah, we thought that Wayne just had brain damage from the electrocution. No, I think- so he had Wayne damage the entire time. <laughs> you are on Very one good. today, Mike. I love it. <laughs> LT, what about you? Favorite Fargo season? I think I still think that season one and two are my favorites, but season two being the one with uh Kirsten Dunst, right? Yes. And Jesse yep. Clemens. Yeah. Yep. The, those two are my favorites. But this one catapults right up there. Uh, I just thought that the performances were absolutely fantastic. And I I want to seek out, you know, more um, of the things that these actors have been in now. Because it's it's sad now that we have to walk away from this show that we've enjoyed so much. I will say that if you want to see Juno Temple 
um, in a role that is very different than, like, say, uh, Keely from Ted Lasso, you should watch this movie called The Brass Teapot. Oh, mm, okay. okay. Interesting. All right. Well, now we have a nice movie recommendation to send us <laughs> off with. So I am conflicted as well, uh, much like the way we leave Gator's character, because I love this season. It also helps when you like get to comb over the season, especially with two lovely individuals such as yourself. But it also did feel like, you know, Noah Hawley was approaching a topic that was like very big, but didn't feel necessarily out of his grasp. Like maybe last season when they tried to tell a race, not even allegory, like clear statement about race was mm -hmm. Easier said than done. Uh, and I think that despite the fact that Noah Hawley is obviously a man and he is trying to talk about the idea of toxic masculinity and abuse, etc., even though that's not really his worldview, I think it was done with much more care and tenderness to it, mm -hmm. down to even just like the disclaimers that they put up on screen. Because as we've talked about, this is by far the most true season for a show that tongue-in-cheek says it's a true story about these issues from, you know, uh, going through everything with Dot and Roy to even just the idea of, like, debt and the idea of being a victim and how that influences the way you walk about the world. I think they're such cogent ideas. And Noah Hawley tries to say every season he's making a statement about America. This feels mm -hmm. like the most definitive statement about America. And maybe it's because, you know, Fargo is 10 years old this year and a lot has changed about our country but this is really i feel like the most noah holly has kind of like pulled off the mask about what he feels about society it's his most blistering commentary we've had yet and i loved it especially with the takedown of it all yes it was cathartic uh to watch roy this like paragon of machismo and everything that the world should be essentially get laughed at and mocked and kicked for the last two episodes was just such a great way to, again, remind us what the prevailing mindset should be and is of humanity. All that being said, I would put season one above this because I do think season five, especially episodes seven and eight, like put that right up there with some of the best episodes that mm -hmm. Fargo has ever had. Like that was absolute sensational television. I do think if we're looking at the overall structure of the season from a plotting perspective, I do think we lingered a bit. I know that was certainly some complaints that other people were having is that it tended to ebb and flow where it felt like we were really slowing down in some plot points that would really speed up to catch back up and then slow down again. These past two episodes being a good example of that. Uh, and so I, I think that ultimately season one's a more tightly wound package to me in terms of like a story structure that just nudges it out above season five for me. I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. I just think the highs of the season are so high that they're, even if there's some, yeah, you know, we're, we're plotting along a little bit. Uh, I guess we're not plotting along. That's the problem that we had. I still think, I, I just think it's so strong this season. So yeah, but I hear yeah. you. Well, I, I want to end things uh, by talking about the way we end with our big bad behind bars here in Roy and Lorraine and the fate that he is left to become. He's a man who would much rather die on his feet than live on his knees. And LT, he is uh, going to be living on his knees in more ways than one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's very true. Um <clears throat> I didn't know who was going to be visiting Roy. So when I saw it was Lorraine, 
I was over the moon because Lorraine is fantastic at gloating. And it was great to see her uh, be like, I am the largest donor of the Federalist Society. And Roy go, what's that something about books? Um, there are just so many great lines that happen in that scene. And, the, you know, Lorraine, despite everything that she has going on as a character, like being a Trump voter and, um, you know, being the debt queen of Minnesota or whatever, and whatever her accent happens to be somehow, <laughs> uh, <laughs> despite all of that, I loved having this, uh, this moment where Lorraine was just like, I'm not going to let you off the hook. You're not going to live like a king in here. In fact, I have made it so that your every living moment will be absolute hell. And it is a level of petty that I stand. I love it. <laughs> what I think I like about this ending is... And I, I believe that uh, Noah Hawley also points this out in the interview with Josh Wiggler, is that unfortunately sometimes capitalism just wins. And yeah. as much as you know, Lorraine has a very sweet moment with Dot when they come home, and she's like, "I love, I love the hug," and her being like, "Well, okie doke, yep, great, good. <laughs> Let's not do this too long." But then she winks at her, and she's like, "You, you, you go, girl, right?" He's like, "You shot that man in the stomach. That was amazing." But then she goes and. The the complicated like nature of this is that she is choosing to do the thing that No Holly is basically saying like are we should we be doing this should we be hell bent on revenge mm -hmm. she is putting all of her resources into revenge on one man who you know yes did a lot of bad things to to her um, but she's gonna do this a lot but the other piece is the end the end scene is about um, Dot advocating for forgiving people's debt. And in this moment where Lorraine is actually doing something that when you think about it is like, it's not awful because it's at the expense of Roy, like she's doing it to Roy, but also like to put all of these resources into punishing one man and the way that she's able to do it is that she has so much control and power and influence. She's literally saying, I am the person who helps, you know, put the judges on the Supreme Court, which is an yeah. awful Supreme Court at the moment. So she's, she's not great, but then also she is kind of learning from Dot here. Is she... Is she not? I mean, I guess they're they're they have a new kind of deal, but she's essentially forgiving all these people's debt. Well, no, she's, she's literally weaponizing forgiveness. Yeah, she's yeah. saying like, uh, well, listen, I don't need to keep these people in my like control forever, but also they are kind of in my control. They are forever. in your control forever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I also love the zoo metaphor that she always goes back to that we have a prison, which is also sort of its form of the zoo. And yeah, as she mentioned to Indira, she's not inside the cage. She's always been on the outside, and here she yeah. is, kind of like chumming the waters for everyone to feed yeah we saw a tiger at the zoo once yeah in the <laughs> minnesota stew yeah. yeah did you know that uh that they can run 40 miles an hour and they can swim yeah yeah, I, I, feel, yeah. I, feel, I feel like scotty and wayne just had that lifetime subscription to zoo books i don't know yeah, if you know what that. zoo books is grace but it's uh i don't know if that's an american thing it was a subscription back in the 90s where you just get yeah. like 20 page books every month about respective amazing. animals amazing but wow. yeah i did this ending is is really it's kind of complicated in the sense that, yeah, she is forgiving debt, but she's also that they, they are now part of a new deal, which is to torture a man, right? Like that's, that's, mm -hmm. that's what they, they basically sell their debt for something that 
you know, is much easier to accomplish probably for these people in jail, but they're, they're under a new agreement, right? So the whole day in which the, all of that is very complicated and messy and is not, it, that is also pretty nihilist. That's not the happy ending. It, we're, we're like kind of okay with it because it's, it's Roy Tillman who's at the receiving end of it, but it's not, it's not great. And that's, you know, I think that that's interesting. Yeah. But I, I also love what it represents because again, it'd be super fun if we got this sort of like Lord Melvo-esque ending of like, okay, the bad man's finally eliminated. But again, this is a guy who last episode is like, we are the martyrs of Jerusalem. We will <laughs> yeah. die by the sword. And then I'll just slip out through the back. Like this guy would have wanted that because the shadow he would have cast would have been so long and would have inspired so many people. This dude is a groundhog right now where he has so little power when we see him walk into that visiting room and he's just like decked out in that little prison uniform. And like, he looks so, so much smaller than the shoulders back Roy Tillman. We have gotten up to this point. And while we have certainly seen him slip a couple times, I feel like when he looks longingly at that pack of smokes, the first or final time we ever see Roy Tillman on this show, that's the first time he ever feels afraid. That's the first time he's like, okay everything I try to do, everything that's gotten me power up to this point does not work anymore. And finally the shit's going to flow downhill to him. LT. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the change in demeanor and facial expression um, on John Ham when he started to, when it really started to sink in that there's an entire prison, there's several cell blocks full of people whose only job is to make his life a living hell, to beat him, to abuse him, to, you know, humiliate him. It, it's great. to It's a great payoff. Um, you know, cruel and unusual punishment, sure. But everything that Roy Tillman has ever done to anyone else in his life has been cruel and unusual punishment. So it's about time that he got his comeuppance, I think. And to have it be dished out by all of these women is just further a blow to him that he'll never recover from. Yeah. It's also funny that he gives this whole monologue about this is the way, this is the way the world should be, which is, you mm. know, uh survival of the fittest, whatever, you know, whatever that like, you know, and he's, this is where he makes his racist comments as well. And then the rain is just like, Oh no, if you have money and power, you can actually also make sure that the prison system is also. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is that Rory's right. like, uh, oh, yeah. actually, this is my haven. This is what I've been fighting for the entire time. But like the pure irony, right, is that only behind the confines of the prison walls does he feel, quote unquote, truly free, that this is his ideal society is, yes, everyone is truly free when they cannot escape the situation. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. And then she's like, and, I'll, and no, you actually can't. You, I'm going to make sure your life is hell, so. Have fun. Uh, well, we certainly had a lot of fun talking about Fargo these past two weeks. I know you two just covered the Emmys, and there was a lot, of, of course, a lot of uh, a lot to talk about about like what series are winning. What I know that you know we're we're less than a year away from the next Emmys, assumingly. Fargo yeah. was not nominated for season four. You think it's going to come back for season five? You think it's going to get some Emmy love here? Well, yeah. the Golden Globes are a good indication. Um, both John Hamm and uh, Gino Temple were both nominated for their performances. I absolutely think those are about as locks as you can you can get. Um, and then the show potentially getting a nod for for drama series. Yeah, I could I could certainly see it. Although, uh, does it does it go into the weird limited anthology? Yeah, so it's, it's it been would limited. go into anthology. It, it's yeah. been limited for the first few seasons. I don't think 
it would go into drama. The only reason why something like White Lotus made the jump from limited to drama was because it included a crossover character. And mm -hmm. since we didn't get that in this season, I think that they'll keep it in limited, uh, which I don't know. I will see, obviously, what other limited series are, are coming out. But I would imagine LT, it has a fairly good shot or has the Academy just sort of like left the concept of Fargo behind? It's more of a 2014 thing. No, I don't think so. Just strictly because of the casting uh, of this season. Uh, Juno Temple and John Hamm are kind of like award show darlings. Mm. And they get nominated, you know, quite a bit for their work. So, uh, plus, these performances are just so outstanding. I really hope it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. But I can even see a, a Best Supporting Actress nod for Lorraine as well. Yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee. I also, mm -hmm. I mean, Pie in the Sky for me would be Sam Spruill for Best Supporting Actor, uh, just because I feel like he was so weird, but like he absolutely stole that last scene for me, in yes. my opinion, just like watching him finally come clean about his story and actually show some vulnerability there. But to your point, any nomination is a good nomination in hell. A win would be greatly appreciated as well. But it was such a win getting to talk about season five of Fargo with the two of you. I loved getting to talk about what I would consider a renaissance for this show. Noah Hawley doesn't really have his mind in season six right now. He's got a, another hit movie to TV adaptation coming up in Alien. So clearly his eye is not necessarily on the prize. But we know with Noah Hawley and Fargo, if a story comes, he will as well. Grace, any final thoughts about the season? Anything you, we didn't talk about with the finale that you want to mention? Oh, I think I've I've belabored the point that I thought it was really good. Probably enough. I thought it was really good. And I thought it was so resonant and so good. And I think of the times. I was, I was, I was thinking about this because there was some discussion in the Discord today about the fact that we jump forward in time and that there's no mention of COVID. And I was then thinking, yeah. like, I don't think the scenes, you know, basically... We, we don't do the grocery shopping scene, which is where you'd most think like, oh, they might mask or whatever, but but it's really the gravesite and then their home. And so you can just, you know, it doesn't come up in that conversation and, it, and it's fine and COVID exists in the world or maybe it doesn't exist in the world and that's another thing. But just the the time period, I do, you know, the biggest regret of Roy Tillman's life is they get arrested. He gets arrested about, uh, two, you know, two years before January 6, 2021. He's like, oh, damn, damn it. That would have been really fun, you know. Um, but I think it was interesting to set the show in 2019, which is still in Donald Trump, you know, time mm -hmm. and, and uh, in America. And so, you know, instead of doing, you know, because they could have done sooner, right? They could have done. 2022 they could have you know they could have done 2023 but the choice to set it in that time period and basically him sort of noah holly i think reflecting on america especially at that time which maybe feels like the crux of you know uh the danger that people were were facing and then how are we going to fix and confront that danger i think it was was really interesting so i feel like the show was was certainly very resonant and uh i i was just fascinated and delighted by it the whole way through Latanya well, starks any final words about fargo season five this was just a truly unexpected treat in every way. Uh, I did not see the the finale, especially the the. You didn't see the finale. Me. How'd you talk about it? I, you did a really good job. Bullshit, the whole time. <laughs> I meant, I meant, I didn't see it. Uh, it coming. It coming. Like I, yeah. Uh, I, leaving off words is uh, the th a thing I do sometimes. Um, too much Jayquil. Um, but I, I just really thought that these were fantastic nuanced performances the story was exceptional and this is the season 
maybe aside from season one, that has the most overt callbacks to the original movie and mm-hmm. to other Coen brothers works and properties, which I thought was really cool there. These are just like a motley crew of characters that I never expected to see on my screen. And I am more than happy that I got the chance to podcast with the two of you about this as well. It really did give me something to look forward to every week with the show. And then knowing that I would be able to get the chance to chat with the two of you about it and get your insights, especially because there were so many things that happened in this show that I just didn't see coming. Yeah. I, and those, I totally agree. It's very much mutual. And I think the long winter months, obviously, from a setting perspective, it makes sense for Fargo to come out then. But also, you know, it's times where we just want to kind of stay inside and our, our minds are not necessarily in the most positive mindset. So I think that's another reason why, again, the message resonates so hard. I mean, I will not belabor the point either. I love this season and loved even more getting to talk about it with you. Even in its fifth season, Fargo continues to innovate with medium changes uh you know going weird but in a very different direction of weird we didn't get our like 11th hours supernatural reveal we got it in the third freaking episode and so it's just been so much fun to track all the wtf that comes with this show what the fargo indeed (laughs) and we're gonna be asking when's the fargo uh for years to come we shall see uh any news that might be happening will of course pop up in the various entertainment sites and then We'll see what happens next. This show, to LT's point, is killer with its casting, and I imagine that trend is going to continue. In the meantime, we are all killing it with podcasts elsewhere, talking about movies and TV that exist out there. Let's go around the horn one last time and give our final plugs. Grace, let's start with you. Yeah, so The Curse wrapped up as well last week, had one of the most wild finales of a television show I've ever seen. I think surpassing this, as great as this was, that one was absolutely wild. We have a feedback show coming up this week with a very special guest. Well, let's pull it in case uh, schedule will have to change, but you'll be excited to hear from them. Um, so check that out. True Detective premiered. Um, so endings and beginnings here. Dr. Amanda and I are doing the recap each uh, as soon as the episode finishes. Jess and I are doing a deep dive each week. Looks like we should be able to have some interviews with some of the characters uh, of the show um, this week as well on our deep dive show so look out for that um uh and then movies each week with ariel we chat about the mean girls musical yeah listen to us talk about it (laughs) (laughs) and then full minnesota nice review yeah and then the and then full i know a lot of people loved it so we had i hopefully we were very balanced in our review but we we were not over the moon with it and then full spoiler recaps jess and i chatted about for all mankind last week then we'll be talking slow horses so a bit on apple tv uh a train at the moment and yeah uh lt and i did an emmys recap uh 75th annual emmys so check that out i'm on social media at high from grace all right latanya what do you want to plug um uh grace already talked about our emmys coverage which i really enjoyed um over at the connect we have a lot going on right now we recently just covered both the 1985 and the 2023 versions of the color purple Mm -hmm. which uh just fantastic stuff all around you know uh but not with especially with the 2023 movie not without its problems and difficulties so tune into that if you want to hear more about that i believe that we're going to be covering the movie American Fiction uh, coming up. So that'll be fun, uh, especially because, uh, you know, Cord Jefferson recently uh, won an award for uh, writing for that movie. Um, Then 
there is uh, Versus with me and Mike. Uh, because I can only podcast with Grace or Mike. That's just how it goes. <laughs> That's your 2024. <laughs> exactly. Um, we're going to be talking about True Detective Season 1 versus True Detective Season 4, Night Country. Uh, the first episode aired, and it has been everything that I... It has taken all the willpower that I have to not continue watching the screeners. I do think, though, after we do our podcast tomorrow for Versus, that I'm immediately going to watch episode 2. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about, like, weird, out-there shit combined with hardened crime drama that also speaks about the essence of humanity, check out True Detective Night Country. Uh, it's an anthology similar to Fargo, so you don't need any knowledge of any previous right. seasons of Far of a True Detective. You do, though, if you want to join us on Versus, where, again, every week, LT and I are going to be comparing a week of True Detective Night Country with a week of True Detective Season 1, a similar to Fargo critically heralded 2014 series that cast two you know movie stars in these big tv roles and changed the game as we know it so check that out i feel like it's been a nice ironically enough warm-up to like mm -hmm. cold climate crime stuff with yeah. Fargo these past several weeks so check that out i'm back on my bsgbs with josh uh coming up this week as well over on down the hatch and i'm also doing a bunch of reality tv stuff as well as january turns to february and the return of survivor and the amazing race approach thank you all so much for listening all season round this was again such a fun season to watch to talk about and to engage with people as well of course we do have a discord that you can speak about fargo posthumously i suppose or antecedently as well as a bunch of other tv movies anything really under the sun posterrecaps.com slash patron to become a member of our patron program where you get access to that discord that's gonna do it for our coverage of fargo season five i have some chili on the stove so i'm gonna go and dig into that thank you all so much for listening grace latanya thank you both this was an immense pleasure until next time everybody take care Bye bye Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.